people living with mental health issues are all around us. And like so many of us, I too have battled these issues. Here, we listen to people's experiences of navigating the world in their unique and sometimes funny ways of dealing with their mental health issues. I am Shardul Katyayan, your host, and today we'll discuss one of the most common mental health issues faced by people, anxiety. Everyone experiences a version of anxiety. It's feeling like I'm living in a glass box. It's like box. these voices just keep playing on repeat. It's feeling everything at once, then feeling paralyzed. No. problem Because I don't think anyone understood what From I was From the outside, it's easy to think that somebody's got it all figured out. This is a News Laundry podcast, and you're listening to Mind Ki Baat. There's always a hush-hush or parde mein rehne do attitude towards discussing mental health issues. People don't want to touch this subject with a tent pole, especially in India where there is a good chance you'll be labeled as quote-unquote pagal. Also, whenever mental health is discussed or covered in the media, the people appear to be talking down to those who struggle with mental health problems like anushka is 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 like she's the anxiety queen yeah like she has to pop restills to even like have a conversation that was ranbir kapoor on couching with koel in 2015 it's a talk show on headlines today network hosted by koel puri and on that show ranbir trivializes anxiety disorder like those middle aged uncles advising you to quote and quote get a grip or aunties dismissing you as a lost cause for society the point is we need to fix this discourse and what better place to do it than news laundry after all we are a media critique website and considering that the national mental health survey of india says that at least 13% of indians have faced some mental health issue in their life also who says suicide happens every 40 seconds in this world which for india in 2019 was 139,123 people it is essential that we begin this here and now in a country like india where mental health i mean there is so much stigma around it you're pushed to a point where it actually feels like you're going to break the problem what actually happens is when other people actually look at it as a sign of weakness a lot of times i don't know why i am upset i don't know why i'm crying i'm very sure that i'm not alone in this We have with us two guests, John Victor. John is a clinical psychologist and he works in Delhi and has 20 plus years of experience. The other one we have with us is Sadaf. Sadaf is 27 years old, a creator and influencer. She is fairly active on Instagram and has quite a lot of followers and you might recognize her from one of our reels which went viral uh, it was named urdu insult words welcome to news laundry john welcome sadaf hi thank you very much for inviting me hi thank you for having me so today we'll be discussing anxiety anxiety disorders most of us have had it in our lives like it's one of the most common mental health problems but besides being a mental health problem everyone has anxiety in fact uh, the data from us international studies say that one in three people may have some kind of anxiety disorder in their lives and the good thing is it's treatable but still a lot of people suffer from it because while it's a natural response to perceived danger and it makes you cautious like for instance you forgot your spouse's birthday or anniversary like the anxiety may help for the oncoming danger but imagine being stressed all the time and then it might become a huge problem 
because you are always in stress always anxious about something may happen sadaf uh, you suffer with anxiety issues you are constantly in state of it so for our listeners and for anyone who wants to understand just try and explain how it feels to be in this constant state of anxiety all the time so i was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder um which means that yeah which basically means that i'm anxious all the time um even without triggers um the best way i can describe anxiety is um imagine your brain constantly like no matter what you're doing even if you're sitting watching a movie just reading a book eating something but your brain just keeps droning on and on about everything that could possibly go wrong in your life or everything that is wrong in the moment rather than letting you stay in the present moment and focus on your current surroundings so instead of that what your brain basically does is it doesn't let you focus on anything that's going on and will just use up all its energy to come up with the worst case scenarios the most minute of things that you haven't even thought about or that don't even matter just come are just frequent you know topics of worries like mm-hmm. something as basic as just um let's say I'm watching a movie and um it's let's say it's a, it's it's just like a a, a dramedy or it's a rom-com mm-hmm. but instead of like focusing on it and enjoying the movie what what my brain will often do is a focus on how like the life in that particular let's say movie how it's perfect and how in every way my life does not match up to it and how it's wrong which it isn't like there is no reason for my life to look like that and it's not something which is personal it does what i'm trying to say it doesn't matter like my brain looks to worry is mm-hmm. the the best way i can put it like it just looks to looks for things to worry about your mind seeks the reasons to you know contemplate about something bad it sort of hampers everything you do and it's still not considered a major problem let's say in scale of disease or people would discuss especially in india it becomes a very afterthought of everything which happens to you medically or psychologically and the sad part what i found was that quite often it's it used to be portrayed as a comic effect in movies or anything you watched on tv anyone who has watched scooby do cartoons maybe realize that scooby do worries for things which are not important at the time but he worries all the time and this portrayal as the person who's suffering from this disorder as butt of a joke has also attached some kind of stigma in our society with it but john i want to come to you now as we understood and as far as i understand and please correct me if i'm wrong social anxiety can also lead to sabotage general anxiety of course it does and these are two major types so True. are there any more types and how do we identify them yeah we have uh, you know uh, as sadaf said a generalized anxiety disorder uh, that's very much prevalent and uh, some people will have some specific phobic uh, you know disorders mm-hmm. some people have you know close places they have fear of being in close places and i mean as you said social anxiety and something more a uh, difficult thing is like panic disorder where uh, a person will have a series of recurrent uh, sometimes unexpected panic attacks 
and with future of you know fear mm-hmm. of a uh, 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 panic attacks and you know, something is going to happen to me you know some heart attack is going to happen and i can't deal with myself i mean it's a kind of extreme kind of thing but you know uh, there are different different kind of you know anxiety disorders are there but uh, all these anxiety disorders can be treatable but the problem actually happens is not the anxiety disorder the way we allow our bodies to react to that that means a uh, little bit of anxiety is very much important for all human beings to perform at a, a different level uh, probably you you know that you know have a little bit of anxiety so that you know you want to study very well so you don't want to fail uh, you don't want to like, miss out your you know uh, your uh, i mean submissions and all those things or deadlines so you actually put a little bit more efforts to you know do that but what actually creates the problem is the reactions that means a thought comes to your mind tomorrow i have an exam i need to do well so you prepare very well and you hard work and you know you don't sleep and you study very well and you feel confident the moment you feel confident about uh, what you studied the the bodily symptoms bodily reactions will calm down and you'll not feel that anxiety but what actually happens something is very you know a, a difficult situation probably you might have like you know understood about or uh, stress reactions right whenever we go through some kind of stress reaction we'll experience you know flight or you know fight response now with that kind of situation what happens is uh, there is something called hpa axis which actually kicks in in our body that basically helps us to protect us from possible dangers but in the same time while it's protecting uh, how it actually react to the human body is mind boggling that means the moment you know the adrenaline is actually released in your body immediately in the millionth of a second your body start to have reactions your immunity will be shut down your digestive system will be shut down your reproductive system will be shut down so at the same time the memories you are not able to like you know uh, uh, get the memories back you are not able to reason it out you don't think logically and you feel a little bit confusing you feel whole lot of uncomfortable kind of experience you know bodily reactions and that actually creates the problem now your your anxiety and these bodily reactions when they match up again and again you start to feel the bodily reactions are actually more difficult to handle in the process you start to think in such a way any time those thought processes are coming their anxiety thoughts which are coming or fears which you know you, you you're imagining immediately your body start to react whenever you start to react with like that you have a tendency to run away from the situation a good way which my therapist explained it to me was so basically what happens when you have prolonged anxiety is your nervous system gets strained and it yeah. constantly gets triggered mm-hmm. yeah constantly in the fight or flight uh, mode so what happens and it becomes a reactionary process yeah so a lot of time what happens is because your body is feeling within and world comes anxious and agitated yeah your brain then gets alerted and then tries to mm. look for reasons or make up reasons to justify that bodily reaction that you're having so yeah. a lot of times that is what happens and a lot of times people who have anxiety have to end up retraining their nervous system and trying to True. soothe the body more than soothing the brain we often think that um it's it's because your brain is agitated that your body gets agitated but it's sort of the other way around over the years when you're exposed to in, 
to like an anxiety disorder for a prolonged period of time so what i'm getting is when you're in constant state of anxiety one of the key things is you become overly critical of yourself too yes besides all things yes and <laughs> anxiety is also a symptom or a side effect of many other disorders but it is also a disorder in itself so mm. one how do you you know categorize it how do you find out and one of the key things when i was studying for this episode was is it recommended for people to go for anxiety disorder you know um diagnosis or they should go and look for the condition that may be causing anxiety you know sometimes uh, when people have thyroid problems right when people have you know hypertension these are the kind of things you know sometimes people have you know tendency to you know their hearts beat faster and sometimes people can actually worry and they feel that it can be you know some anxiety but when we actually explore those things and try to understand the real medical conditions and we refer them to general medical practitioners so they they take care of that once that is taken care the medication is given anxiety will go mm-hmm. but anxiety itself is absolutely completely different thing right so it doesn't it should not have any kind of medical kind of you know challenges for example there is something called health anxiety health anxiety means somebody who's having fear that they'll have a heart attack right right or okay. they might have cancer they might can is some kind of illness grave illness and because of that and their body start to react and they produce anxiety and they start to like you know suffer because of that and helping them to deal with that anxiety actually limen calms them down and they'll be able to live a normal life right right i would say it's easier said than done Sadaf I want to come to you for this you may have suffered anxiety not may have you have suffered anxiety for long you may have hidden it from people or people would have tried to give it different names and explanations one how did you deal with this stigma and second did you face any difficulty in finding your therapist and you know pursuing and seeking treatment um so the biggest stigma i think um i got my diagnosis very late um I was around I think 22 when I finally got my diagnosis and it was a long one I can tell you that um so it was definitely delayed but the stigma was uh, that I always always known that there was something wrong uh, with me because you know whenever I spoke to people I was like okay this is not how everybody is processing their emotions this is not how everybody's brain goes so clearly there's something not right here because I don't see everybody else constantly worried about things that may mean or may not happen. Like okay, once in a while it's different, but like constantly just being so caught up in what may go wrong. Um I didn't see uh people going through that at all. So I was like, okay, something's clearly wrong. Um I finally convinced my parents to take me to therapy when I was uh, about 15 years old and um my first therapist turned out to be quite uh I excuse me, I'm so sorry for you using this word but like a nightmare like there is no other word for this like a lot of times what people assume is especially for younger kids a I feel like I uh, like if you're especially if you're underage it's not taken seriously because it's seen as a way to probably like kids as just kids acting out or trying to seek attention uh, that's precisely what my therapist did um she wrote it off as just uh me being attention seeking or me um sort of just doing this for um for for the sake of it i don't know why she assumed that 
this would be a great way to get attention because it's honestly like mental health like it's so stigmatized that i don't see why anybody would willingly try to get a label on themselves in a country like india where mental health i mean there is so much stigma around it you definitely do not want to be somebody who has any of these labels attached to it so i think they really like the way it functions i feel like we're pushed to a point where you genuinely don't see another option like you're pushed to a point where it actually feels like you're going to break and then you end up going and getting a diagnosis and starting treatment because you try and fight it alone as much as possible because you don't want to necessarily share because of judgment right yes. um, so i think that's why getting my diagnosis was like the second time around when i ultimately it took me some good 6 7 years to get over my first therapy experience to actually be able to trust a, a psychiatrist and a therapist again and i'm very sure that i'm not alone in this uh and just getting your diagnosis is so difficult because of all the the attached stigma that comes with it and no matter how much you try to be compassionate when it comes to you you're also a part of the same society you're also surrounded by people who think a certain way so it does rub off and you also start thinking of yourself a certain way you start looking at it as if you're doing something wrong when you're not necessarily but anyway sorry coming back to the question um it's been a difficult journey um even seeking treatment because it's a slow process um and i think for a lot of us we sort of just run out of patience because i mean retraining your nervous system takes a long time so it's not just about the diagnosis it's also everything that for, like comes after so great you got your diagnosis but all the work that comes after that diagnosis which most of us unfortunately have to do alone yes um, because there's only so much you other people can do for you right like ultimately it's you versus your brain or your anxiety so i think that is what is the most daunting part the stigma and all doing all of that alone and that i think offering delays the process of even getting a diagnosis and also this entire mentality that um, that you know that oh if i'm mentally ill i'm lacking in some way so yeah. a lot of times people don't want want to go to a therapist because they don't want to admit that there is something wrong or that lacking within inverted commas so yeah it's a struggle like sadaf shared her experiences anxiety at this scale can seriously affect a person's ability to function in everyday life something you'll see frequently in different mental health problems they're like weeds which sap your energy to live according to the national institute of mental health in usa anxiety disorder is the most common mental health issue faced by people with a bit more than 19% of the population affected by it there are different types of anxiety disorders which we'll discuss with john later in india i couldn't find any mass scale studies but during the pandemic many surveys showed that over 70% of people complained about having crippling anxiety in fact i believe the conversation on mental health moved ahead during the pandemic because people were left alone with their minds confronting your inner demons became an inevitability different research studies in different parts of the world have shown a lot of people drop off from the treatment or they refuse treatment in yeah. your with your 
practical experience of you know practicing a psychology why do people do this generally it's a very simple normal kind of an experience what we all go through every human being but the problem what actually happens is when other people actually look at it as a sign of weakness because other people are looking at a sign of weakness sometimes the person who is experiencing they might you know not show that they might not mm-hmm. even talk to their family and friends so and if somebody speak they'll say hey you're stupid you know this is like not a career you know this is very simple a little bit worry you're over sensitive you know you know you don't really understand you need to work hard you know they talk these things and they actually you know put the other person down because you know when people are commenting like this the person who is going through this anxiety actually feel oh my god everybody is talking that it's so simple you know why i'm actually making it big issue and they start to like and try to live with that but unfortunately they suffer and struggle right yes. and there's so much of negativity they develop and even to approach somebody and they they actually fear oh my god if i actually tell i'm suffering and struggling they might laugh at me so they actually come to us only when things actually exhausted when they feel they are not able to perform very well they are actually their normal life is actually getting disturbed their relationship actually getting affected their work is getting affected then they'll reach out to us so when the right. life goes into spiral only when only then uh-huh. people reach absolutely. out absolutely right but as sadaf and you know what you said you know about the researchers that is true many clients who comes to us they drop in they don't continue the therapy not because they don't want to like you know deal with their anxiety it's because some people who are actually you know sitting as therapists and working as psychologists they are not that much capable of handling them because anybody who has this kind of psychological you know issues of anxiety or any of these disorders if they come for therapy all it takes is 5 to 6 months time that's it but in 5 to 6 months time you become completely all right i mean you will be able to handle your things very well and uske baad you know things will not affect you and you you feel much more in control of your life and jo anxiety what you suffer you know will not be like you know troubling you again so you know some people actually can get better even 3 months as well but because you know they, they continue to work for very long time obviously after you giving them in 4 5 months time if you're not getting the results right and what is going to happen so you'll start to lose your heart and you you know avoid going to therapy and after like you know 4 5 years again when something is troubling you somebody encourages you again you attend the therapy right so basically there are you know very structured kind of therapeutic modules are there to work with all these disorders if you actually work with those things you will become completely all right one of the reasons i dropped out of therapy multiple times even when i started therapy was because something as simple as this when you a very basic example and i think it's used a lot uh, to help people understand mental health better when you fracture your leg right recovery requires that you go on complete bed rest and then you'll obviously start physiotherapy again mm-hmm. and then you get back to it but with mental illness a lot of times we do not have the option to put every like our entire lives on hold yeah. and just work on our mental illness so what happens is while you're trying to get better there are 50 other things that are happening which are making your condition worse so it just feels like an endless battle where you 
I not only just like it feels like extra homework almost like you're like oh I have to like pay my bills I have to work a nine-to-five I have to worry about my interpersonal relationships and on top of that I also have to take this extra time out go to therapy be mindful work on whatever homework I've been given and just like you know there are two types of therapy like you can go to therapy and not do anything but if you genuinely want to get better you have to do your homework right so it just like you know a lot of times it's just like somebody who gets easily for somebody who gets easily overwhelmed you're adding more load a lot of times because we can't put a, a hold on everything else so it just feels too much and you just want it to stop so Right. So, John, I wanted to ask you this. One term I came across when researching the anxiety disorders, frequently came around, was CBT. Would you tell us what CBT is? CBT means it's cognitive behavioral therapy. Cognitive means uh, the thought process, what you go through, maladaptive thought process, you know, dysfunctional thought patterns, assumptions, what you have, and your fears, the meanings, what you give to those, you know, meanings and everything. And that is cognitive. Behavior therapy means anything what you do with your body, right? The act, actions and activities you actually do with your life in, in your life. So you integrate those things where it's affecting, what kind of behaviors it's affecting, what kind of thoughts it's affecting. We identify those thoughts and we restructure those thoughts and help the person in terms of, you know, uh, uh, performing new behaviors so that they'll become stronger. In dealing with those things it's a very simple kind of technique all it takes is that 10 to 12 sessions right now i'll just give a small example for you to understand and for you know listeners also to understand just imagine you are you know gone to a holiday to your you know hometown it's raining heavily and small kids you know five ten kids are playing there and everybody's making small paper boards and they're you know putting that into the rain and one very small kid who actually did that five-year-old kid, his paper boat actually uh, sunk into that rainwater and he started crying. And my my boat actually, you know, uh, sunk inside, yeah. you know, he started crying and other kids are actually clapping and jumping with joy that their boats are still moving on. Now you want to help the kid. How do you help them? Help that kid. Like I would console, I would console him. It's all right. Right. Consoling, you're going to help only at that particular point of time but you know suppose you actually want to teach him a lesson help him to learn some kind of you know thought process you know probably you have some papers right so you give the papers to all the kids and say hey guys let's have a competition right now now all of you guys make the paper boards and you are not helping the kid to make a paper board you're just allowing him to make a paper board the way whatever he can do and after that before putting the paper boards into the water you gave a rule to them what is the rule? Whoever, whosoever paperboard is going to sunk quickly, they're going to get a chocolate. Right. So, so you, right? so you reverse the scenario so that the person feels absolutely. Better. Now, the yeah. small kid's paperboard went in, sunk into the water, and he's jumping with joy, saying that I won. And other kids actually felt bad that they they are not able to get the chocolate. Now, the same thing happened earlier. The paperboard sunk, and the kid cried. Now, when the paperboard sunk here and the kid is joyous and he's getting a chocolate. Now, this shift in the thought process, in the mind, the perception, and that's exactly what we train people in terms of changing the thought process. And that actually helps them in terms of dealing with their anxiety. So you might get a lot of kids 
uh, as patients with anxiety disorders who may have you know some aware, well aware parents who notice their child is extremely anxious which is more than he or she should be so one do you get them and two is there a benefit of course like relatively it seems so but is there a benefit of getting it diagnosed early and educating not only children or people but parents too that they might look out for these symptoms in their children absolutely absolutely if you want i can actually explain one of the cases which i am you know working currently this is a kid who is actually doing you know intense standard he came you know uh, uh towards the end of 9th he completely stopped going to the school and he started having terrific panic anxiety panic attacks and he become breathless and he falls down and he don't want to go to school he has stomach ache you know he feels he is forgetting everything he cannot study but the kid performed very well till ninth standard he is a class topper also and because one of the main thought process for the kid is he feels his parents want him to perform and get the class you know top in 10th standard but he feels that you know he may not be able to do that so he started you know he don't want to like you know disappoint his parents there's so much of stress went inside his mind and that actually turned out to be panic attacks so when the child was brought to me he was like very lean and thin and he is very terrified he has so much of fear so i asked the parents completely stop him uh, from going to the school don't go to the school right and don't even do anything don't tell him to study or anything just let him be let him let him spend some time you know whatever he wants to do what makes him happy kind of stuff in the process when i actually spoke to him and understand okay right now without studying if you go and give exam how many marks you will be able to get like it said i am going to fail i said let's try to experiment that you are not studying but you are going to fail let's see how you are going to get so he went and gave the exam he got like 40% of the marks right so without studying aggregate now without studying right so i said okay no you got 40% in the next you know two months you're going to study and all i want is only 30% marks he was shocked he said even you know you you're asking me to like mean reduce that i said yes 30% 30% immediately i was able to see his face was you know glowed he's not bothered he's very happy he looked at his parents parents were a little bit anxious but this kid is not anxious at all so i had to make the parents also to understand not to like push him and the next time he actually got 50% marks and then i said you know last time we actually achieved for 30% now next time we going to achieve for 40% as a karte karte today in the last exam he got you know 80% marks in the last exam right and there is there is no medication nothing and the kid is doing well and he's happy and he's also like perceiving he's he wants to be an actor as well he's pursuing that as well he's also studying as well I wish I'd come to you instead of the other therapist that I went to. <laughs> of course, <laughs> I probably would have been way better right now. Uh, so, Sadaf, of course, you have, as you told us, you have a good therapist now, and you feel better. But you might have faced a period when it, this was left unchecked. If, in your own words, and ho- however you want to share it, when left unchecked, this could re- lead to big problems, which. I'll ask John about the medical thing, but as a person, how does that translate in your life? Just to be clear, I'll talk about um, the fact that with uh, GAD, I also have BPD, which is borderline personality disorder, which makes things and anxiety slightly more com- complicated than 
say somebody who just has a, a generalized anxiety disorder but um and that is just like a background but in my own words um okay so when i restarted therapy i had reached a point where i had just started i had just finished my masters and i had started working um and the second week that i was working i couldn't get through one day of that week without having a breakdown in the office bathroom now if anybody saw me crying right the first question that they would ask me is why are you crying to which honestly when you have anxiety there is no answer i don't a lot of times i don't know why i am upset a lot of times i don't know why i am crying it's just that my body just it it comes to a point where it genuinely feels like i just can't go on like it come it came to a point where my brain would overheat so much from worrying that it would just stop like i would just there were times when i blacked out because i like my brain would just i don't know in very rudimentary terms overheat and just sort of like trip so again like it's very hard to describe what anxiety feels like to somebody who's never uh, felt anxiety but just imagine that you're constantly worried and you don't know why and you can't figure out like let's say if even if you start to backtrack right if like let's say i'm sitting here and i'm feeling anxious and i try to trace where my anxiety goes back to why i'm feeling anxious a lot of times that may help a lot of times what happens is i might be able to figure out why i was anxious at that particular moment but figuring that out while i was figuring that out my brain will glob on to five other things and find like you know find it very um easy to like worry about all of that so the minute you put one worry to an end your brain has already found five other things to worry about so it's it's basically like my brain will not stop like there is no pause button to it mm-hmm. according to the mayo clinic obsessive compulsive disorder or ocd features a pattern of unwanted thoughts and fears that lead you to do repetitive behaviors which are called compulsions but this is not just being worried like you or i do these are thoughts which take hold of you and people cannot escape them so what do they do they do something which helps them manage that stress even if it hinders their lives like constantly washing or cleaning sometimes people with ocd know what they're doing doesn't help but they still feel compelled to do these tasks because if they don't then their stress would further increase i hope this simple explanation tells you how ocd can significantly affect someone's life and i'm sure john would be able to explain it in a much better way uh, unfortunately all kinds of mental illnesses mm-hmm. from simple anxiety phobia se leke from schizophrenia from personality disorders every kind of mental health problem will have underlying anxiety as a base right now when somebody is having ocd we need to deal with that you know obsessive compulsive behaviors also along with the anxiety when somebody has you know personality disorders they might be having fear of abandonment or fear of correction you know everything you know whatever they experience that they their anxiety actually become marked kind of symptom 
where that actually disturbs them and that needs to be addressed right along with the you know working with other areas as well so if you if you if you say that ocd like let's try to work with only obsessions or compulsions so it doesn't work obsessions and compulsions actually happen because of your marked anxiety increase in your life suppose you know you you went out and touched something and you came back and you felt you know your hands are dirty your it's not clean so fear of contamination can be there so you start to wash so your your anxiety doesn't come down so you feel oh i need to wash five times i need to wash 10 times i need to use soap you know five times i need to use in my both hands so people actually have that when you do that compulsive behavior then only your anxiety comes down right in the process what happens is you are actually elevating your anxiety you are actually strengthening your anxiety as well the more and more you do your you know anxiety comes down if you don't do it anxiety increases in any which way the anxiety is going to be strengthened and increasing right so you have to use some something called erp right so different techniques you use to help these people right but but again that would that would begin with going to a psychiatrist or a psychologist and beginning uh, you know what sometimes you know uh, some of the research actually tells very clearly for anxiety disorders suppose you have taken the medication right generally people actually feel it's better to pop a pill and things will be all right but if you actually stop the medication or after some time medication may not actually help them in the long run so even ocd also like even along with the medication and cbt actually give wonderful results that's what we see in our you know clinical practice you know day in and day out so there is a sure shot way to you know handle it and treat it regularly yes right I, I, i'll give you an example like it's such yeah. a ocd is such a terrible thing and i kept it for the end as a serious thing there was a neighboring auntie in our colony and now i know like i've known for a while but back then i didn't she used to change her bed sheets and you know door mats whenever someone walked into her house or sat on her sofa or a bed and we used to laugh like as as a plaything i used to jump on her bed all the time she used to change the sheet i used to do it again now i feel really sorry about it but but, the, the, but i was 8 so but the point is that this is such a debilitating thing because you end up end up spending so much time energy patience and patience of other people around you too so that's Absolutely. why i wanted to bring up ocd so what you're trying to say is ocd still this kind of ocd still has a sure shot way to dealing with it right yes yes right before we wrap up you might also ask why am i hosting this podcast well i am also a neurodivergent individual with a couple of bags of my own in fact my recent diagnosis made me realize how big of an impact any undiagnosed and unaddressed mental health issue can have on anybody's life and since my diagnosis i have met many others whose lives have been affected by some mental health problem therefore i couldn't not talk about it after all birds of a feather flock together which is what made me want to do this podcast in essence i wanted to bring this largely invisible and misunderstood struggle within our society into our regular conversations sadaf i want to ask you first it has always been said that you know therapy makes a difference in your life but people still find it hard especially in you know country like india and you being a woman and from northern part of india there are still stigmas and we discussed them earlier 
but if someone wants to you know handle their disorder or approach people for our listeners if somebody wants to understand how do they begin this process i'd really suggest that you start by um before even talking to anybody i think it's great to go and get a diagnosis because when you sort of understand what's going on and you can sort of talk to your therapist or your psychiatrist a little bit about it some of the anxiety at least goes away because you're like okay so this is what is happening there is a name to it i'm not alone there are other people who go through this so it feels a little less daunting once you have a diagnosis at least for me it was um and very easier said than done but stick to therapy it might take time a lot of times it 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 might not be a quick fix and a quick result but eventually you will see results you will see yourself getting better you will see yourself being able to deal with problems better not to say that 15 new problems will not come up they will that's just life and i don't think that's just even specific for anxiety that's just life but at least it just the having an hour a week or you know two hours a week with your therapist where you sit down and you talk about everything and you try to learn and figure out how to deal with things it sort of feels like a little bit of a break where you're just sitting and assessing things yes after that break you get a lot of homework which you need to do <laughs> of course so that one hour you're there with somebody who's 100% focused on trying to help you get better i and envy that, such people <laughs> definitely i mean also like finding a good therapist is very difficult it's i genuinely believe that finding a soulmate is easier than finding like the right therapist for <laughs> you It's well, truly difficult, but no, when you do, when it feels like there's somebody on your team at least, and you're not going through all of it alone, there's somebody who understands. So therapy, therapy, and definitely more therapy is what I would say for our listeners and for anyone who wants to understand. When I was reading about this, there were some markers that you might be facing this, and this may be a sign that you have anxiety disorders, like insomnia, like chronic pain, and. irritable bowel syndrome i i read these three very commonly so tell our you uh, listeners um, what they should look out for if they feel they have it how they should approach it you know when people have this you know anxiety first and foremost you should start to see your you know uh, heartbeat you know palpitations bolte kuch log right uh, uh, restlessness right and uh, uh, sweating right and uh, breathlessness sometimes and all these symptoms will not happen with all the people right few symptoms will be there with somebody few symptoms will be there with somebody else and confusion fear right and uh, muscle aches muscle tension or sometimes you will be like overly sensitive towards things then I mean, you will be vigil- hyper vigilant right so if you have this definitely you need to like mean check out with you know somebody uh probably what i can actually do is you know we have our portal on the portal we have something called symptom tracker and this symptom tracker is absolutely free that actually helps you in terms of you know uh, processing whatever the symptoms you have what is the intensity level as well so the- you can actually take the symptom tracker yeah so i i'm sorry to interrupt you what i wanted to ask was so these tools are available online in your website and 
I assume in other places too. Yeah, you know, uh, in other places also they are there. But what we did was uh, we actually put all the symptoms of these disorders into a you know system, and we actually put those symptoms and we actually have a calculation in the back end uh, against those symptoms as well. So what happens is suppose if, if you actually go and take the symptom tracker, you get a score. It a score actually tells you what is the intensity of their anxiety and what symptoms you are actually struggling with so that your therapist actually can work with those symptoms to help you. And next time uh, after a month, you come back and do the uh, symptom tracker again, you can actually understand how much you actually improved or how much your symptoms actually got worse. That seems like a nice tool and anybody who can access. Yeah, John's anybody website, can actually use that do. because we actually made it completely free of cost for people. Thank you for listening and do write to us if you have any suggestions, inputs about how we can better this podcast. You can write to us at podcasts at newslaundry.com and don't forget to mention the name of the podcast in the subject line. It helps us find your emails easily. I also want to ask you to reach out for help, for counseling, if you are struggling with anxiety. A couple of places we can recommend are asra at asra.info and Parivartan at parivartan.org. You'll find the links to their websites beneath this episode. They have phone numbers and counsellors available to talk to. Or reach out to someone else you can trust and seek help. Remember, help is available for those who seek it and we are here for you. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.